strong and mighty tower Your name is a shelter like no other Your name Let the nation sing it louder Cause nothing has the power to sing Without you, I fall apart. 
my song to rise to you when temptation comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my
It's a new song. Some of you may have already done this song. I don't remember ever doing it. <laughs> I'm not sure that helps. But we practiced it this morning. Oh, yes, yes we did practice. <laughs> we'll get it right at some point. <laughs>
Jesus. Sorry, I'm late. Work was crazy today. No, don't get up. It's okay. Uh, yeah, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck. I'm just glad. Uh, I'm glad I made it, too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here. A lot of requests. First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Um, but, uh, not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, what else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog Nibbles has a gimp leg. Jiminy crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all in this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven. My neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was, I was dreaming. Plus the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries. Bless their secretaries. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. Hey, look at the time there. That's, uh, it's, uh, gotta get going there. Jesus gonna wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you. It's fine evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. morning. So we're starting a new uh, series today called uh, Cup of Joe with Jesus. And just in case you're not familiar with that term, Joe can also mean coffee. So there's not like some double meaning going on here because you don't get to have coffee with me every day because that would just be awful or the four other Joes here. But they might be available so you could always invite them. So just check with them. But we're going to embark on this series and it's going to be all about hearing God. Now, I was, I was raised um, Baptist, but throughout the course of the last 20 years, I've been in a Brethren church. I've been in an AGC church. My mom was raised Baptist. My dad was raised Catholic. So I'm a bit of a Bap Brethren apostolic Christian, if you were to merge it all together. So I've been to a lot of places. I've seen a lot of churches. I'm kind of eclectic in how I even see and where I can kind of jump in wherever. I've seen a lot of different things. Maybe some of you have as well. But I've noticed over time, and having been around Christians for a long time, they can kind of divide them up into, into two groups. And I think I might have written down here somewhere those two types of groups. But there's one type of people coming to churches, and generally speaking, they're here for the aesthetics. They come here, and when they gather together with a body of believers, um, they don't necessarily, when they pray, hear the voice of God. 
But when they come into community and they sing songs together, when they pray together, even, even the mood, the aroma, the sights, the smells, they, they, they're just captured by it. it, it, it it's kind of like even the relationship with God. Is kind of like, it's like going to the therapist, sitting on a couch, and your communication with the therapist is you're, you're telling them all your concerns and problems, and they're like, uh-huh, and scribbling it down on a clipboard, and you're feeling better and better as you get it all out. But it's a one-sided conversation. It's your monologue with, with God, and that's one type of people because they haven't had necessarily that experience of hearing God's voice. But then there's the other side. There's the other type of believer you encounter, and maybe you encounter them here, but maybe it's, you know, on the street corner at the strip mall, maybe down on the um, downtown, and they're the type of person who, when you go up to them, God said, hey, I knew God was going to, they say, I know God was going to bring you here to me today. They're the one who has a word for you. They have a word for you, and they got a word for everyone. God told them where to go shopping today. God told them where to buy popcorn for the movies. God told them where to buy a couch. God told them where to buy the lottery ticket. I mean, God just speaks to them and speaks to them and speaks to them, and they have like this fine-tuned relationship where they're being touched by God all the time. And some of you may know people like that. I don't know. But it seems like there's this one side where there's like, um, there's like this extreme silence. And then the other side, I think I called it in your notes, the bodacious ongoing vernacular that spews out of the mouth like diarrhea. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle, I would suggest there may be a balance for us. And so over the course of these next couple weeks, if you're willing to sacrifice with me, if you're willing to put time in, if you're willing to get into God's word, I think you may take a step forward in what it means to have this ongoing conversation with God. I think most of us would agree people have a speaking problem. We got a huge speaking problem, and we have a speaking problem because we have what? We have a hearing problem. We got a hearing problem. And if you can't hear, you can't speak clearly. If you can't hear, you can't speak. And so a lot of us, we've had no practice, I think, in hearing God. I mean, what does he sound like? Does he have a deep bass voice like mine? Or is it high-pitched? And it's so hard to hear God's voice if we don't know what we're listening for. And so for these next couple weeks, we're going to get really practical. We're going to get really, really, we're going to dig down deep because I want for all of you here, especially for some of you who are desperately yearning to hear God's voice in your life, to get that GPS tracker so you like, you need to make a U-turn and you're just craving, desiring more than anything for God to speak to you, even if it's in the silence. And for, and for some of us, like even myself, I used to be very, very cynical about this stuff. It's like, how do you discern from, your, you know, your God's voice and your stomach rumbling from having bad pizza the night before? 
And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're trying to say, is that my conscience? Or is that just that television program from last night, which is all about supernatural stuff? And and so we get frustrated. We even give up. But we're going to really engage on this next couple weeks. So why don't we just take some time and pray, and then we'll dig into the text. God, you do want to meet with us. And I think for many of us, we could look back and we can't even recall the last time. We just spent time with you and listened for your voice. And we live in such a busy culture full of lots of good stuff. And we're, uh, we're programmed to be productive um, and be efficient and move, move, move and fill our ears. And I pray in the course of these next few minutes, next few days, next few weeks, um, we would attune ourselves, especially at this t- season of the year, uh, to just digging down and desperately uh, seeking out and learning to hear. Maybe for the first time, maybe we just need to be reminded and refreshed, but I pray, Spirit, um, that you would penetrate um, where we're uh, just not tuning in and get through to us. Um, Hear our prayer right now, God. Make us better hearers. Um, Help us in this time, we pray, and, and thank you for this great book full of your words to us. In your precious name, amen. All right. Now, now I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. I don't know if you're that way, but sometimes I even sacrifice in order to make time for stuff I value. So there will be times where three in the morning, I will sit down with my cup of joe and make time for Jesus. I don't know if you're like, sometimes emergencies, sometimes other things just shift and but I always want to and make time for things I value, even if it's at the most crazy times. And the question I'm going to go back to you over and over again over the course of the next three weeks is, where's your chair? Where is it that you sit down? Maybe if it's a sofa cushion, maybe it's a closet, maybe it's underneath a pew, whatever it is, but where is it that you just sit and talk to God? Is it, maybe it's on a subway car as you commute downtown. Maybe it's in the front seat of your car. I know one young mom, it's at Starbucks every day at the corner table. That's where she meets with Jesus. But where's your chair? Where is that place where you just come? Maybe it's with your Bible. Maybe it's on your knees. You come and you just, God, I just want to connect and I want to hear from you. Where's your chair? I want to take you to the text today. It's in um, Mark chapter 11. And we've been working through Mark over the last seven months. And we're coming near the end of it. Jesus finally has arrived at Jerusalem. And he's been trying over repeatedly with his followers, if you've been tracking with us these next last seven months, about what his purpose is, who he is. And they're not getting this. So he says, I came to teach but my teaching was to point you to something. I came to do miracles, but my miracles were to point you to something. 
And then now in these last few, as we've gone through, especially the last two chapters, probably these last three months of his life, he's like, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. There I'll be crucified, executed. And then three days later, I will rise. Now, I know we haven't done this because I, I sometimes just like you guys just be able to relax. But today, as we read the scripture, will you stand with me? Is that okay if you're able to? And let's read it together. I'm just reading from uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 1. I think it's on the screen. And I'll, I'll try and read at a slow pace so we can all, um, yeah, read together. So let's start here. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever written. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. Try that at a car dealership sometime. See how it goes. Good times. But don't call me when you're in prison. Okay, we'll keep going here. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus has told them, and the, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hoshana! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. May God bless the reading of his word. Have a seat. It's nice to hear God's voice in hundreds of voices. So Jesus comes into the city. This is a very well-known passage of scripture. We call this day traditionally in the church tradition, Palm Sunday. I like to call it Lamb Selection Day because everyone else is wrong. But that's fine. That's a whole other story. But he comes through on this triumphal procession this big parade, and then what does he do? He goes to the temple. Now, the Jewish people, if you ever study the whole context and culture here, they didn't want him to go to the temple. They wanted him to go to the Roman garrison and slaughter everybody. They wanted a revolutionary, not some guy coming through a parade who's crying and sobbing because the people don't recognize who he is. They want a warrior king who's going to crush the Romans. Jesus goes to the temple. It should not have been a surprise to his followers. What had he been saying for weeks and months? I'm going to Jerusalem. There I'll be crucified. And three days later, I will resurrect, rise, rise again. He, he's preparing for this, but they, they miss it. It confuses them. He keeps talking about his death and resurrection, and he goes to the temple to make a statement that it's all about his death and resurrection. Later on, we read um, in Matthew 26, 61, and this is a charge they use when they accuse him. They say, 
He said he will destroy the temple, build it back in three days. He said he was going to do away with the temple, but the temple he spoke of was his body. And so they, the, the Jewish people, they, they come to the point of realizing Jesus is a terrorist. They think he was going to blow up the temple. He's not talking about the temple. He's talking about his body, but nobody's making these connections yet. Now at that point, 2,000 years ago, Every culture, every society had temples. They had places where they would go where they could connect with the, the ultimate, the transcendent. Every culture, every society 2,000 years ago, they had temples. Why did they have temples? Because they recognized that there was a gap. There was a gap between the common and the sacred. There is a gap between the common and the transcendent most holy. They also recognized there was a divine. So every culture, every society had temples of some sort to their religions, to their gods. They instituted all sorts of things. They had sacrifices. They had priests. They did all sorts of rituals. They had all sorts of systems. And the people also recognized not only did you need a temple to house the divine, they also recognized that you needed a person or something in order to access the divine. So they could have had sacrifices, yes, they could have had priests. There might have been some other like thing you had to do in order to access the divine. In order, you couldn't just walk you know, into the middle of the field and go, hey, transcendent most high. You first had to follow, follow some set of steps that would allow you maybe to go near the temple or go into the temple where you could then access the divine. So along comes this guy named Jesus and he says, I am the temple. And he says, you're going to kill me. My body's going to be destroyed, but in three days I'm going to resurrect and you're going to have access for the first time to the almighty, powerful, transcendent, divine God. And not only that, not only that, because of my death, you're not going to need a priest. You're not going to need a pastor. You're not going to need a pope. You're not going to need a shaman. You're not going to need anyone in order to access the creator of the universe but me because I'm going to become the bridge that covers that gap Jesus is saying and you'll have full access to the creator of the universe and you can even access them as you sit at your coffee table having a cup of joe isn't that good news I'm going to pay the price, he says, through my death. All your junk, all the stuff that's preventing you from accessing the divine, I'm gonna, it's going to be put on me. I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice, he's saying, to end all sacrifices. And from then on, if you trust in me, if you believe in me, I will become your substitute so that when the divine looks down on you, he now has complete access to you because, because of me, you've been made perfect in his sight. And that is such good news. So now, if you know that and you trust in Jesus, and when you sit down at your coffee table to drink your coffee, you can access God. And why is he 
silent. Anyone feel like that sometimes? I thought I had access now. I trusted in Jesus. I made him my substitute. I received that gift of grace. Ringtone, <laughs> silence. I got a good brand of coffee. What's going on here? Why is the line silent? C.S. Lewis writes this. He's this fantastic writer. Uh, our lifelong nostalgia, our longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off to be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside. This is not some neurotic fantasy. It is the truest index of the human condition. The sense that in this universe we are estranged, the longing to be acknowledged, to meet with some response, to bridge some chasm that yawns between us and that reality. This is the inconsolable secret of every soul. What kind of religion is this? It's the most radical religion. What Jesus did is now we no longer need a temple system. We no, need, no longer need a sacrificial system. He made possible so even people in the balcony, you can access Jesus. Isn't that great news? Yeah. All you rebellious latecomers up there. I'm just kidding, but uh, <laughs> yeah. You now have access. So what's going on? Why, why aren't we hearing anything? And what I'd like to do today is just do some broad strokes on some roadblocks that might be preventing you from hearing God's voice and then give some maybe ways to look at it from a different angle. In the upcoming weeks, we're going to get nailed down, get into specifics. Does that sound awful? Great, fantastic. All right, so let's talk about the first one. First roadblock to hearing God's voice, and it's a pretty um, obvious one, especially in Canadian Toronto culture, it's distraction. Distraction. I think a lot of us who trust in Jesus or believers in Jesus, we want to hear God's voice. We want to feel his promptings. Audible or just God? I think a lot of us, I was chatting with someone about this this morning, we so want God to be like that GPS machine in our car where we're tracking along and we pass where we're supposed to make a turn, and what does the GPS thing do? With that really annoying voice, you missed your, you missed your turn, turn around, take whatever streets, and it doesn't shut up until you course correct. Wouldn't it be cool if God, you, hey, you're off track, you need to make a U-turn? And I think we yearn for that. If we're, if we're not in God's will, wouldn't it be nice, shh, take a left at, you know, the no frills, and and I think we, honestly, I think most of us, we desire that kind of commune with God. We want that voice. But what's the very first thing that happens when we wake up in the morning? We hop on our smartphone. We hop on our computer. The TV's been running all night. We can bombarded by four kids who like to do WWE on your bed. Um, we're all around it, and we start talking about great stuff with people. How was your day? How are your kids? How's work? And we're off to the races. We even come to church where we sing songs about God. We hear, hear songs, of, we hear sermons about hearing God's voice. All great stuff, but we never stop. And God's like, 
can you just, I want to talk to you. Can you just slow down your schedule, but just carve out a little bit of space? How can I help you navigate your life if you're never listening? I, I, could, I could help you so much to deal with those fears and your concerns and your afflictions if you were just willing to listen. You wouldn't fear any circumstance because as the scriptures go, if you know that God is for you, what can stand against you? And we could talk about this one all a day, but you're all feeling really guilty now. But let's, let's just keep tracking here. Another roadblock, and this one is really, this is me here. We, we want God to communicate to us on our terms. And I have found when God speaks in my life, he speaks like a, a guy in the country giving you directions. So if you've ever been cr- out in the rural areas, you ask a guy for directions, well, go down for score. And when you see the bail, take a left and then go over young. And you're like, speak English. I like specifics. I like it in detail. Go north on Eglinton. Make a left on Clement. Take your first immediate left and watch that little bump on your bottom out your car. You all know what I'm talking about. And go slow into the parking lot. Most people hog the first set of visitor parking, so you're going to have to go to the very end. Hopefully you can park on the right, but that might be gone, so park on the left and that's gone. What are you doing even driving? You should have taken public transportation. I like it specific. You? And it's been my experience. God does not speak to me on the terms that I like. I don't know about you. I want them just to be concrete. And if any of you are laughing at me, especially women, you like details. I'll come home from a long day at work or a long trip, and Heather's waiting there at the table. Details. Who'd you talk to? How many pillows were on your bed at the hotel room? What color? What, what color was the teacher's hair? How was the flight? Minute stuff. What'd you eat? Was it good? And then, and then what you do is then you flip to your day, ladies, and you start getting into serious day. Oh, day was good. I read into Phyllis. She was, and she wouldn't let me get away for like 40 minutes. I went to Sherway, and, I, and then I got my, and, and then, yeah, and, then, and all I want to know is, is there any food in the fridge? Yeah, come on, man, I'm preaching here. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on my own. (laughs) I got this table, it'll protect me. God is not in the business of speaking to you on your terms. And if there's one thing that's abundantly clear in scripture, is he wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. So I want to talk to you about a couple angles, maybe a couple things you need to rethink about that may help you with hearing more clearly. And the first one's this. Recognize when you have too, if you have too many facts, you can't have faith. You don't need faith. There's an amazing example of this in Genesis 22. 
a great story, and, and check this out here. This guy's named Ab- Abraham, and I'm just going to read the first two, two verses of a great story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied, the Lord said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. How many of you now want God to speak to you audibly? (laughs) Could I get a few more details? I mean, this guy, Abraham's probably at least 125 years old. And he gets this little blanket statement. And he's like, I wonder, how am I going to tell my wife? We only have one kid. We've been waiting for all these years just to have one child. God, could you give me a few more details? Go to the mountain, sacrifice your son. What do you say to your wife? Uh, yeah, Isaac and I are going on a camping trip. Uh, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be back. Yeah. And then, what do you say to your son? Now, scholars believe, ancient scholars at least, we always have this picture of Isaac as this little naive boy. Okay, Dad, whatever, you know. Scholarship shows he was 30 years old. A few more details would have been nice here. What does he say to Isaac? The ancients actually called this passage the faith of Isaac. Protestants... Newbies like us who've only been around for 500 years, we call it the faith of Abraham. But, but it's like, why not a few more details? And what's incredible about this story is what did Abraham do? He went. And he went and he listened. And, 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 and I'm sure this whole passage, this passage is known as the passage of faith. It, God's like, Abraham, if I can just get you alone, get you away from all your boys, get you away from all your distractions. I, I, if you'll just listen, I will provide a substitute. If you know the story, I'll provide a ram. God's like, I've already, I've already tested this all out in my lab. I've already tested it. It's secure. It's safe. I have you hemmed in. I have it all covered. If you will just listen, if you'll just trust me, I've already got it all worked out. This is a test, Abraham. I don't want your son. I want your ears. I want to change your directions. I know if I get your attention, if I can just get into your business, I can give you the best decision-making. If I can just get into your marriage, I can give you the best, wisest decisions you've ever seen. I, I, I can make you so sensitive that you'll understand every word that proceedeth from my mouth. If you'll just listen. If you'll just listen to me, Abraham, I'll make your name great, and people will never forget that you're a man of faith. If you'll just listen. Hey, hey, And for a lot of us, we even pray the wrong way because we're praying about the destination. And God's not just about the destination. He's going to teach you so much along the journey. And it may be patience. It may be uh, sustenance. But he's trying throughout all of this. I'm going to test you and I'm going to train you, church, how to use your ears and hear my voice. If you'll let me. If you'll let me. 
Maybe God brought you here today because he wants you to take another step because you're deaf right now. And just, oh, if you'll just, you're here today because God wants you to take another step. He's like, I have the answer before you got the question. If you'll just listen. I never wanted you to suffer. I never wanted you to make that decision. I never wanted you to do this or that. But I'm going to use all those things on your journey so that you can hear my voice and trust me. I love you too much to leave you alone. And he's going to keep pursuing you whether you're deaf to him or not. I mean, you think what you're going through right now, if you're going through something, is about what you're going through, and it's not. God is using every situation in your life to make you more and more into the character of Jesus. You think the problem you're facing is the issue, and it's not. It, and, and, and the analogy that's helped me a lot is God is like a gym instructor, and he's bringing you into the gym. How many of you like working out? And, and, and he's like, I'm going to make you exercise and use all that painful equipment until you learn how to use your ears. And he's like, come on in. And you know what? You're not going to understand or like some of this exercise equipment. Some of it's going to get your heart rate up. Some of it's going to make you really sore. I'm going to work you hard. And, and a lot of that stuff, it's designed to do what? It may be designed to take you away from your boys because your boys are giving you some bad information. It may be designed to get you away from relation. It might even be designed to get you away, to create space so you'll just have time from all the voices that are pounding you. But I'm going to train you, I'm going to test you, and I'm going to make you more into the character of Jesus if you'll let me do it. And it's a whole lot easier if you listen. A whole lot easier if you learn to listen. And some of that exercise equipment, it may make you uncertain. It may make you vulnerable. It may break you. But I'm using all these things so that you'll hear me, so that we can have a relationship, so that after, and maybe Abraham, Abraham had this experience on that mountain where he took this, but maybe God gets you to this point, and it's like, finally, after 10 years, I got you alone. Let's have a conversation. After all this time, let's talk. Let's talk. It was me that fed you. It was me that strengthened you. It was me that provided for you. It was me who put you through that. That was me. It was me all the time. And another way of hearing clearly is sometimes... This one's tough, but sometimes God says nothing at moments of tremendous insecurity. Sometimes God says nothing at moments of tremendous insecurity. I've experienced this so much in my life. God doesn't say, God does not talk to me to make me feel better. <laughs> and God doesn't necessarily even speak to me at pivotal moments in my life but it may be past that moment. There may be a pause. It's like, how do I know? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know that's the girl I'm supposed to marry? How do I know if that's the right business decision to make? How do I know if I should move there? How do I know I should do this? How do I know that? And for a lot of us, we look at that how do I know as a shopping excursion. 
and you go to the mall if you're a shopper and you show up at the clothing store and the clerk comes out and says, how can I help you? And you're a good, godly Christian person who's patient and you're like, I'm just looking in a very calm voice. Thank you, I'm fine. But that really means get lost. And, but they don't leave. And so they're like, well, what are you looking for? I don't know, but when I see it, I'll know it. And for many of us, that's the voice of God. I'll know it when I see it. It's like when you see a brand new pair of shoes that you really like, or a jacket. It's like the mom who says to her daughter, that's not the right boy for you. I don't know who is yet, but it ain't that boy. I'll know it when I see it. I'll know it when I'll see it. And, and I have often found in my own life, and maybe many of you can speak much better to this, but when these pivotal moments come, when you're in these apex moments of tension and stress, and you sit down for a cup of joe with Jesus, there's silence. There's like this pause. God, where are you? I don't know if any of you have relationships like this. I have a couple where I can sit with people for hours and we don't say a word to each other and it's completely comfortable. I know for a lot of us, if there's even five seconds of silence, that is so awkward. But it's in the midst of that journey often, even in that midst of waiting and patience, us understanding that God hasn't left us but he's, he's working you out in that gymnasium, ain't he? Preparing you, trying to teach you. And, that, and lastly, another way to hear clearly, and I started with this, but it's, where's your chair? Where's your chair? You've got to, you've got to create time and space. You got it. I, I'm so confident that when people go away on compassion trips, like a, the Nicaragua tri uh, team's doing in a week, or when people go up to camp or they go to spiritual formation retreats, it's not so much that experience that transforms them. It's the fact that they're ripped away from their distractions and their comforts, and there's even quiet time and space. That's where the real transformation happens. You don't have to go to Nicaragua to connect with Jesus, but maybe some of you need to because you're so caught up in your routine and your busyness. I've always thought about doing a spiritual formation weekend where I just take people up north, charge them $5,000 for a week, drop them in a forest without food, and go, go experience Jesus. <laughs> Big bucks. I'll let you know if you want to get in on it. Um, <laughs> but got to create time and space. Where's your chair? Where, is, where are you carving out? In your bulletins this morning, I put these red sheets that just say 15 minutes with God. And if you didn't get a bulletin this morning, grab one on your way out. And you're like, 15 minutes? I don't, I don't have 15 minutes. Well, that might be part of your problem. But my suggestion would be for you, and this is just a baseline. It's just to give you thoughts about creating time and space. But if 15 minutes is too much to start with, start, start with one. Scriptures don't say how long you have to spend with God. 
but they call us to do it daily. Work, for, work on quality. We can talk about quantity down the road, and you'll see the benefit of that. They say it takes 21 days to make something a habit. Try that for 21 days and see if not your life transformed. I don't know who they are that came up with these like stats about 21 days because I don't know about you, I am so disciplined. I pick up habits like this. Like I learned how to eat potato chips daily the first time I had it. I didn't need 21 days to build the habit. But just start, just start today with that. Whether it's one minute, whether it's 15 minutes, where's your chair? Where's your chair? Where's your chair? Let's finish here. And this is probably the big one, which we're going to talk about more over the next few weeks. Maybe you have a chair. Maybe you got every day you connect. And that's a it's a time of, you know, reading, talking, but you're not hearing anything. You're not feeling transformed. Why is that? What's going on? And it's discouraging. Let me take you back to how we started here. And I just want to say one simple thing. Do you know why you are not being transformed? It's because you haven't accepted the gospel story of the temple replacement. That sounds really complex, so let me say it again and let me unpack it. Because you haven't accepted the gospel story of the temple replacement. You have not been moved. You have not been transformed. It has not hit you like a ton of bricks what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago like it should. You have not grasped the severity of how bad you are and the depths that Christ went to to rescue you from those depths, to give you free access to God. And until that transforms you, this won't. Until you understand the enormity that Jesus became your temple replacement, he lived the life you should have lived. He died the death you should have died. He became that bridge. He, and we can, everything we've done wrong, we can dump on him so now we can approach God with confidence. Not through a temple, not through an auditorium, not through me. You can go right to the Father because of what Jesus has done. And until you grasp that, unless that consumes you, unless that's the most precious thing to you, you're going to find this lacking. Does that make sense? Start there. And if you haven't trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to talk to you. We'd all love to talk to you after the service because that's the place to begin. Or maybe you just need to rededicate yourself. I want to finish with one last thing. Uh, George Whitfield, he was this great Anglican um, uh, pastor of the 18th century. He wrote this one night, one day after a dream. Last night, I was praying, and I felt the love of God poured out into my soul with such immediacy that I couldn't get to sleep. I had to ask him to shield me so I could get some rest. When's the last time that happened to you? Maybe it was this morning. It's not Jesus' fault if it's not happening. He already opened the way in.
The resurrection of Jesus means it can happen to you. Take hold of it. It means even all the bad stuff you've done in your life, your history, because of the resurrection, they're being redeemed into something good. All of nature, all of it, you can go right to the creator of the universe, even with a cup of joe. Let's pray. God, thank you for access. God, we can't write enough songs, preach enough sermons, write enough books, make enough movies, talk about it enough, or understand or comprehend how high, how wide, how deep your love is. The extent you went to to make it possible for each and every one of us screwed up, bad, fallen, off course people to have access to you through Jesus. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for the access that's available. Thank you that we can have commune with you anywhere. God, give us the discipline. Give us, give us the, give us the discernment, the wisdom, the passion, the joy to just begin that, that journey of, of just trying to remember and think about and dwell on what you have done. And, and may it fill us with so much joy and desire. Um, 15 minutes, man, I'm just getting warmed up. God, I know this is a body that loves you. I know there's a lot of, a lot of us here that uh, just yearn and long to hear your voice. Um, and we feel like this workout you're putting us through, it's been going on for a long time. And we just would love, um, we don't understand. Uh, we're just um, feeling empty. We just want a word from you. Um, thank you for making it possible. God, help us to see ourselves in a mirror. Um, make that change possible. That's only possible through what Jesus has done. And thank you for the resurrection, um, which changes everything. Thanks for making it so we no longer uh, have to go through some human or temple mediation, but we just have to go through your son, Jesus, uh, through, all, through who all things are possible. We bless you, God. Uh, give us more of you in your precious name. Amen.